My name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The X-Files, a show where we read every Animorphs book in order. I think I left a word out of that intro, but I don't care. Uh, I'm joined this week by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. To be, to be fair, this is the third attempt, so you're fine. Well, don't tell the listeners that. Now we have to do it again. Um, no, we no, we don't. don't. No, we don't. <laughs> totally okay. We're not professionals here. We can be here. in on the joke. Uh, and that other voice we, you just heard was the most elegant street on Earth. It's Kate. <laughs> Hi, we've done this two times. Three now. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're like we're like uh, the few comedy shows where like they have like the the pop microphone filter or whatever in the camera and like the like the person like pushes it out of the way to acknowledge it's there. Like we we don't bother. We don't care about the fourth wall. It's called a boom mic. Boom mic. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, pop filter is a different thing. That's right, why right. my audio has been weird the past few weeks is because I don't have one of those on my headset. Yeah, but you knew what I was talking about. So that's <laughs> the point. Yeah. Um, again, like it's just we we just recorded this weirdo ten, like ten hours ago, so there's not much as I can really think to say at the moment. I, I mean, I don't know what you like. We don't usually do a ton of small talk on this show. I mean, we keep True. doing a ton of small talk and then saying we're not going to in the future. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe today is that day. Who knows? <laughs> Which is very funny that we're like, oh yeah, we try to keep this one under an hour and it's usually closer to like an hour and a half. And it's like, well, depending on how it goes with this, this one might actually be longer than that episode of Us Weirdos. Because turns out those two episodes of Infinity Train kind of short. <laughs> Even I though they're the same length as the, as the others. Generally, we were trying to shoot for under an hour with Us Weirdos anyway, so we've kind of left that train Wait, where we? leave the station. <laughs> I th- we I had a we relief. I thought we were aiming for like under two hours with that. Uh, I found the, uh, the receipts from when we were first planning the show, and we wanted to do it for an hour at the time. <laughs> oh, well, that definitely fucking didn't stick. <laughs> uh-huh. nope. we, had a, we, we had a really fascinating conversation before the recording about intellectual property laws and how they affect, you know, how we think about media and story and culture, but no one's ever going to get to hear that. That's because, true, yeah. It's a secret. Yeah, because we, yeah it's a secret. <laughs> It, I, I think I think personally NPR worthy, but <laughs> no one's gonna hear it because we weren't recording. <laughs> unless unless Discord is uh, recording everything to try to turn into AI bullshit, like they recently tweeted. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> yeah, but they wouldn't have any sort of vested interest in putting that conversation out onto true the the internet. Yeah. So yeah. That would just probably get them into a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, no, it's it's been an interesting and weird day, and we don't usually have to retake the entry that many times, but uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it was me who uh, had their uh, Destiny running properly. <laughs> uh, well, it is now. I'm watching it. <laughs> tech problems do be like that. I have it open on my other monitor, and I'm not tabbing out of that, so I can watch it the entire time, to be sure. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's certainly an opening. Do we want to just jump in? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I'd say that it's time to do the thing the podcast is for, which is talk about the book that we read. Fair enough. Or yeah, cause, partially, partially cause it, read. Because it's, it's a brand new book. It is. For yeah. the first time, 
for the first time we have a, another book that well no for the fir- the first time would have been the first one this is the first time we've done a book that's not the first one. This is true, yeah. Yeah, it's it's because it's the second it's, one, and that's how math the, works. It's the first time we don't have to listen to Jake's internal narration. Yes, of, it's true. Now we have to listen re- to Rachel's internal narration, yeah. which is, diff- I think, a lot better. Yeah, it, it it has been definitely different. Like you know, gotta gotta at least give. Uh, I mean, because was it Applegate who still wrote this one as well? Or yes. Was this... uh, yeah. Okay. Well, she writes almost all of them up until I want to say like see. thirty, and that's when the ghostwriters kick in. Oh, okay, gotcha. So at least I... it's like, yeah, these at least neat that like she's able to still at least tweak the uh, like narration a little bit, even though it's like only the second book already. So doesn't doesn't stop Rachel from also being real dumb with keeping a secret, just like Jake though. <laughs> so apparently, K. A. Applegate co-wrote this with Michael Grant. Okay, um, that tracks. Wait, but but Michael Grant is is her husband, so yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, if anybody has to, like, be, like, basically the co-writer mm-hmm. or ghostwriter, like, at least you're choosing the person that you're partners with, so it's like, there, there he, are, he there probably are knows variety, a lot more about it. There are a variety <laughs> of ghostwriters, and they're gonna show up mostly later on, like, yeah. in the, the later books. Earlier yeah. on, I'm pretty sure Kay Applegate is at the wheel. Um, <clears throat> her... I don't actually know all that much about how her husband was involved, how Michael Grant was involved, but, um, yeah. I, I meant to, I, I, I meant to look up, like, interesting facts about these books, bef- like, books before we get into them, like, on, on the first episode, <laughs> um, but I didn't this time, because I forgot I was going to do that, <laughs> so maybe yeah, you we'll can... do that next episode. Maybe. Yeah, if you wanted to, you could look it up and then, yeah. like, just go and be like, oh, this was the mm-hmm. stuff that we missed last out about that. Oh, one of the things that I do want to cover very briefly, so this is Animorphs Book 2, The Visitor, and this is the only book in the entire series that has a hand-drawn cover. Almost all of the rest of them are photos and computer manipulation, but this one is entirely hand-illustrated, and I'm not super sure why. <laughs> oh, is it? I didn't even... Interesting. Oh, yeah, I guess if you do look closely at it, it's like, yeah, that does look like that was actually drawn instead of the usual horrors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the artist who does most of the cover is David B. Mattingly, but this one is by Tim O'Brien, so... Yeah, even just comparing it to the previous one of uh, Jake slowly transforming into the, the lizard, it's like, that's also, like, way more protracted, that there's, like, so many more, like, stages of the morph and everything compared to... Uh, Rachel turning into the cat. Yeah, and you can definitely see on this cover how, like, the heads overlay each other so you can't see the yeah. whole thing. Oh god, I just looked at the the cover for book three and, like, Tobias just slowly, like, having his, like, nose extend into the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely different. <laughs> yeah, so that's just an interesting note that I don't really know why that happened. I assume it's because yeah. we're so early in the series, they just needed another cover fast. Yeah, like, maybe they were, like, think maybe they went with CGI with the first one, and then they were like, oh, let's try a different thing. Maybe it would look nicer if we did the drawing, and then it turns out that was, like, way more time-consuming and costly or something, so then they went back to the CGI. Well, it is, like, so I mentioned before that most of the covers are done by David Mattingly. The first one isn't. That's done by a person called Peter Bollinger. So, like, clearly they took that style and just had someone else do it eventually, and I don't, I guess... Bollinger didn't want the full-time gig? Who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so let's get into chapter one, which I will call the recap. Uh, this is our first Rachel book, so she starts off by introducing herself as Rachel, and then she just gives us a lot of the same information we got before, so I'm going to skip, like, the first half of this page. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, always, it always starts with, like, oh, they'll kill us, or worse, and, uh, yeah, just, like, basically, Lord up, we're done with that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and skip to all of the animorphs are birds. They're all specifically birds of prey, and they're just hanging out, having a good time flying around. Um, Jake has become a peregrine falcon. Marco and Cassie are osprey, or rather the same osprey, and Rachel is a bald eagle. Because I guess Cassie's parents' animal hospital just has the most birds of prey, even though yeah, they're that, not a part how, of prey rehabilitation that's how, that's how I interpreted it, because it's like, I guess to be fair, we also, they didn't say how Tobias got the hawk morph at the start, right? Uh, that uh, was no, also do. at the, the rehabilitation center, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was forget. I was forgetting that, but yeah, I guess presumably they just have all these other birds. But it's like even yeah. if they didn't, they could have all just been the same hawk, which I guess would be a little strange. <laughs> yeah, it is um, very like because normally you need a special specialized avian hospital for that, but I guess Cassie's parents just do everything. <laughs> yeah, well, very convenient. Yeah, I I did look it up, and they used the word thermal six times in this chapter. <laughs> Um, I did so, notice that I did notice that the yeah. precious thermals were all over this chapter. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, no, you'll that that's gonna keep happening. Oh yeah. Uh, anytime they're birds, anytime they're birds, they constantly talk about I mean, thermals. Makes and sense. I'm taking, I'm taking cap. I think thermal might be the most one of the most used like real world words in the animorphs. Other, one that Other than maybe morph. Is that the peregrine falcon is the fastest animal on earth? Just every time Jake is a bird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you need the you need the 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 fun animal facts for the for the nineteen ninety zoo books. Well, if, crowd. if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, don't peregrine falcons aren't they able to dive like two hundred miles an hour? So they are. The yeah, we're gonna yeah, learn. No, that they are a lot. Yeah, it's it's true. We're it's, it's definitely so true. <laughs> it, it's true many many times. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because like I mean, I know that I distinctly remember hearing that on uh, one of the episodes of Planet Earth Two, I believe it was with uh, Data Navborough. Narrating that with like a falcon mm-hmm. attacking other birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turns out uh, th- those those series uh, fucking rule. They're great. <laughs> yeah, I watched a shit ton of. Uh, oh, I think it was. Uh, it wasn't Blue Planet. It was something else when I was in the hotel during uh, the week of uh, homelessness. Just because like there was a fucking marathon of it during that weekend. So it's just like in the evening, my mom and I were just watching like four hours of just those whatever was on there on like the BBC. Uh, uh, TV show or whatever yeah. with the TV station. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tobias convinces Rachel to try a dive now that she's a bald eagle. So yeah, they just uh, dive straight at the ground, sixty miles an hour, and Rachel understandably has a panic attack. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, at first she's really into this, but then she suddenly realizes that uh uh oh, we're going sixty miles an hour, and I am a bird. I cannot like uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, like, she has the whole, like, yeah, what happens if I, like, like break a wing, or if I were to unmorph out of this and just be hurling to Earth as a normal teenage girl? That'd be terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, turns out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I, like, didn't, definitely did not think of uh, when I was playing my druid, where at times I did have to turn into a bird and, like, dive after the rest of the party because they got themselves in trouble. <laughs> I, I like, played yeah. a druid that died that way once. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Specifically, was immobilized as a bird 
and then oh, fell into fire. <laughs> oh no! So, yeah. <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah. That was the... my first yeah, ever D and D character. That was yeah, uh, you... though. That was back when your uh, bonus hit points didn't come back when you fell out of animals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh right, yeah. I was getting that's how well tape worked back then. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so Tobias convinces Rachel to, like, let go and let the eagle fly for her, because, of course, the eagle does know how to fly, because it's genetic, I guess. But uh, then she gets passed really quickly by Jake. Uh, We don't get the Peregrine Falcon 200 miles an hour fact here, but that's just because he's not the one narrating. He will talk about it a lot. Um, (laughs) uh, Rachel gives us the characterization that Jake is like her in that he, quote, loves excitement and adventure and being a little crazy. So I feel like that is a very different characterization than we get of Jake when he's telling the story, but I guess this is just how she sees him, so. Yeah, he definitely wasn't like that last book. (laughs) When I was thinking that, I was like, does he, though? Like, does he? (laughs) Not usually, no. <laughs> yeah, the whole like uh, Thor Ragnarok uh, meme of like, is it though? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, that definitely wasn't what he was like in the previous book. Like, yeah, like he kind of like had to take charge by default because everybody else being like, you're a leader now because you're cisette white boy. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's he's like extraordinarily cautious because that burden weighs heavily on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so... that's definitely not like the whole characterization of yeah, he's a thrill yeah. seeker. <laughs> like nah not at all i mean i guess it might be fair to say that he's a little bit crazy but all the rest of that stuff <laughs> anyway and there's I also mean, they, a difference they between all... yeah they the all kind of, of <laughs> there's a kind of like difference between the kind of thrill seeking that i think we're thinking of and like just having fun diving as a peregrine falcon i yeah, mean there's like for sure the there's there's it's like, like... Thr- there's like roller coaster skydiving thrill seeking and then there's more <laughs> Rachel's kind of sort of like suicidal death wish thrill seeking. Yeah. This is also just such a weird contrast to how the last book ended of just like they're like, Yeah, we got our asses kicked. It's all depressing. Tom is still a controller and then like the first, the second book opens up with Yeah, we're birds. Yeah, birds, yeah. <laughs> yeah but birds are good. Well, well And meanwhile they established that this is like a week later, so it's like, they, Yeah, I guess. But well they're like, children. Yeah. So true. they're gonna take the time to do this kind of thing regardless mm-hmm. and i think that's healthy i think that that's something that should that should happen you know like you it can't be all goddamn doom and gloom all the time or you're not going to be able to function well enough to do what you need to do <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i guess yeah so they're just flying around and then rachel gets shot uh, a bullet just goes right through her tail uh, <laughs> <laughs> And this really gets her upset. And it doesn't seem like she's mad that she's been shot, actually. It's more that she's mad that they shot a bald eagle. <laughs> so cool. Like of the general yeah, idea. Patriotism, yeah. Rachel. <laughs> but, yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel like it's more... Like, it might... The, the patriot. I don't know if it's so much patriotic as this is an endangered species. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is the time when Deep yeah, she... was killing all the bald eagles. And, yeah. like, they were trying to save them. So... Yeah, she does straight up say it. It's like, I'm an extinct species, fuck you, or whatever. <laughs> not, endangered. That's, but yeah. Endangered, yeah. <laughs> if she was an extinct species, like, hmm, how'd you get that bald eagle morph? <laughs> I don't think that's the case anymore, but yeah. they they were, at one point, it heavily threatened because of, like, pesticides. No, they, uh, yeah. they have recovered quite a bit, so. I don't believe they're even endangered anymore. I think they're just threatened now. Um, 
see. Wikipedia says they're at least concerned. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. Good for you, Eagles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they decide that they're gonna, like, scare these guys. And so, we also learned here that Eagles are apparently fast enough to dodge bullets, so that's wild. Uh, <laughs> well, they are, like, pretty high up. <laughs> Which brings up the question of how this guy's using a hunting rifle from that far away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we know how high up they are, because they just came out of that dive, so... Um, but yeah, so they fly down into the trees, they, they take another dive, and they gain as much momentum as they possibly can, and fly into this forest at just ridiculous speeds. And there's a kind of, like thing that the book does here, like a, a narrative convention that is designed to make you feel the anxiety of flying this fast through the forest and not smashing into a tree at full speed, where it's just like yelling tree over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And tree, bank left, tree, bank right, tree. <laughs> yeah, and this, I know for a fact it comes back. I believe it's in the first Megamorphs book. It's almost like word for word that this happens. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they zoom out of the forest, and there's two guys sitting in the back of a pickup truck, and uh, yeah, these birds are just flying out of the forest at them as they scan the skies looking for them. Uh, so that'll bump us to chapter two, uh, which I guess I will call Clever Girl because they're raptors. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Rachel grabs this guy's gun, and while Tobias cuts his ponytail off with his talons, uh, he lets go of the rifle, so Rachel just takes off. She's a, she's a bald eagle with a rifle. What could be more American? Um, <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> and then, uh, while she was doing this, Marco also stole the beer that the other guy was drinking, so they just take off and drop these in the ocean. Um <laughs> We got another thermals here because they're over the water, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then they head back to an abandoned church that's on the beach that has a bell tower. And that's where they left from. Very convenient, but yes. Uh, yeah, they, um, they all turn back into humans. And there's a lot more concentration on how gross it is this time. Just Can, can I just say something? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's a line here at the very beginning... Uh, re remarking, like, on the fact that Tobias is not morphing back um, four pairs of shoes for the five of us, which has very strong baby shoes for sale number one energy, <laughs> and I really like it. Wait, oh, uh, bird bee shoes not for sale. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> also, I just could not help but think about that Orisic comic of Blackwing flying at uh... Laurie, and I think her name is, uh, the bird to the face bit that I just posted in the chat. <laughs> uh, that's like, uh, only like, what, like 450 comics ago? And yet that was like, uh, a decade ago. <laughs> what was that? Uh, yeah, that was 2013. Jeez, fuck, that was exactly a decade ago. Fuck. Or <laughs> the stick has been around for a long fucking time. <laughs> oh, oh, god, yeah, it started in 2003. Yeah, where the stick is now 20 years old. What the fuck? <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all old. That's that's true. Uh, <laughs> it I sucks getting old. I simply <laughs> have no age. I cannot be old. <laughs> Death is inevitable. Let's move on. 
Um, yeah, so like I said, they, they really focus in on the grossness of this. Um, I'm not going to cover all of it, because we spend like three pages of pure <laughs> uh, uh, morphing grossness. But one of the ones yeah. that really sticks with me is uh, it mentions that Marco's legs just pop out of his bird body, and so he's yep. a bird with human <laughs> <Yep>. legs. <laughs> that, they, sh- they show that in the graphic novel, and it's hilarious. Uh, it's just like this oh, little now, weird, now, messed now up I... bird thing. Yeah, now I need to see that. <laughs> there, there's also there's also the bit where um, Rachel's beak becomes her teeth before her lips form, which yeah yeah is an interesting okay. image because I'm just imagining like lipless sort of Ver- just yeah like skull mouth. <laughs> it's like how you see like uh, close-ups of like uh, geese with all those little, like serrated things in their mouth, but uh, they're actually just full-on human teeth. I'm I'm just like thinking like a sort of a Yuzan Vong type thing where she's just got <laughs> teeth but no nothing covering the teeth. Turns out if you want to really creep yourself out, just Google bird teeth. <laughs> Even the ones that aren't just clear photoshops, uh, real fucked up. That birds are, yeah, birds are weird. <laughs> the, the, the image I had was not that she still had a beak. It was that the beak had become her teeth. Oh, yeah, that is so, extremely what is portrayed yeah. in the graphic novel, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> i guess in actuality it's really just like a raptor um in that sense but instead of like the raptor's whole head being ovular ah, ov- ov- that an oval shape it's like just like yeah it stops a little bit and like just the mouth part just stretches mm-hmm. out and yeah that would be a bird with teeth <laughs> yeah um... like the lots of raptor obviously not other raptors <laughs> mm-hmm. Cassie obviously has to be all pretty with it because she's the one who can do this good. So she just goes back to being fully human with just human-sized bird wings. So that's kind of rad. Mm -hmm. But no, she definitely cannot fly. She mentions that she weighs about 80 pounds. So children, again. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Rachel has a little bit here about... uh, how she's not Miss Fashion or whatever, but she likes nice clothes, where meanwhile Cassie would wear overalls to a wedding if you let her. I don't know why she's on this all of a sudden. <laughs> well, I think I think that she she might just be acknowledging differences. I don't know if she's judging Cassie for it. I feel like she, she, she acknowledges she likes nice clothes, but she doesn't want that to define her identity. That's very fair. I just don't understand why it comes in here, right after the horror of bird with teeth beak. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like, I like nice clothes, and also Cassie dresses like shit. Okay, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we also do get a snippet in here that they all have uh, uh, the ability to morph clothes now, so that's nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a little goofy that, you know, we didn't get a montage of that, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you probably don't want to address that as much compared to just like, yeah, we figured it out, so we're not just, you know, having the idea that there's a bunch of kids morphing naked in front of each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that, that paragraph is followed by a couple more paragraphs where she's describing Cassie. So I, f- I feel like this is just part of the obligatory characterization we have to do at the beginning of every book. So that you know yeah. who these people well, are. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I, she's not even describing Cassie at that point. She's just talking about her parents. Yeah, but that's an important part of Cassie's character is that she is the source of, like, the her connections are the main source of morphs for the kids. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm, 
I'm, I'm guessing that like this whole little bit of like this is who the character is kind of thing like keeps going for like the next couple books and then eventually stops although neither if i remember correctly neither the gardens nor her barn actually make an appearance in this book i believe so, that is correct yes yeah so i guess we just need to know for background <laughs> well like there there will be a conversation about how they got these bird morphs and that's to do with the barn but it never actually appears on screen yeah so yeah um marco then just goes ahead and decides to do some pretty uh pretty 90s uh, sexism here uh mm-hmm. <laughs> just sure yeah, he does it a lot like a lot a lot yeah <laughs> yeah i wasn't expecting this to be in a children's book <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um Marco will definitely be on 4chan in, like, five, six years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, this is, like, something that it's, like, you know, it was, like, surprising when I remember, like, back in the very first, like, five minutes or so of Last Airbender when, like, Katara calls Sokka sexist, and it's, like, yeah, but that also tracks. They're, like, a little bit older teenagers. These kids are, like, 12. <laughs> like, I, I like Marco for reasons that we won't really get into until well into the series. Um... But he is an asshole, <laughs> yeah. and like that kinda, much is true. Kind of honestly dreading like the first Marco book just because of so far Marco's whole personality has been I'm a dick. He's he's a dick for very me? specific reasons that I think are understandable, but don't excuse him okay. being a dick. Yeah, like but... he he he's a complete complex character, and that's one thing I like about him. He's okay. also. And I don't think this is spoilers, but he's also the most fucked with by fate out of any of the Animorphs besides Tobias. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that at least uh, is a little bit more reassuring, considering that it's like, yeah. you know, like, we, we talked at length about, like, how, like, you know, Catra and Glimmer just get easily forgiven for both trying to do a genocide, and then it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's alright, don't worry about it. And, you but, know, you know, it's, like, yeah. it's all armor for Marco. It's all armor. Okay. It's all covering something up. Yeah. Which, well, I mean, to be fair, in both of uh, those characters' cases, it was kind of the same thing. Yeah. In this moment, I'm not super sure how much we feel that. Or know that, I mean. Because, like, well, we, it basically we, we says yeah, that he's I'm just doing saying. a troll face here. It's just that the boy loves to provoke people. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's true. It's true. We don't get that now. And and I I wasn't trying to imply that we did. I'm just saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, that's... Like, yeah, like, in, like, in my reference for referencing my my you know i like this yeah. character yeah. um that, that's absolutely like, at this fair. point I just right here and now he is doing a sexism mm-hmm. saying it's not sexist and apparently it is specifically to annoy everyone so yeah no he's a dick he's I, he's yeah. definitely a dick like and it's not even related to like his earlier bit of being like i don't want to do a, a war because i my my mom died and my dad would fall apart if I died and like that's understandable. Yeah, that was like, better. Him being a dick at this point. <laughs> yeah, him being a dick at this point in time is just does not make sense at all. I really. do kind of wonder how much this is just like perspective because we didn't see this Marco at all in the last book and now that we're in this one it's immediately there. So I like Well, it also yeah. it also might be that we're talking about like there's different narrators here. They're going to tell yeah, the story in saying. different ways. I feel there's some animosity between marco and rachel anyway so yeah yeah to 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 marco and like to jake marco is his friend who's a dick sometimes to rachel marco is 
a dick all the still, time. I think a friend, but the dick part of it is is more prominent. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. he's and and like he and Rachel will trade insults, which I feel is just kind of part of their relationship. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially as time goes like, on. But. I, I, I feel like that's that's all that's like part of because I think that's one of the ways they relieve tension <laughs> is they're they're both kind of aggressive in their own ways um, Marco very aggressive in a very different way to Rachel but nonetheless and I feel like that sort of like trading little jabs like that helps to well will later on help to alleviate a lot of stress I might be reading into that too much but. Hmm. Yeah, at least that makes me more interested in actually getting to Marco's characterization. Because again, mm-hmm. like I said, I was real dreading the first Marco book. Because no, he's just he's, been a dick his, so far. <laughs> his books actually, like the the ones he narrates, are some of my favorites. Um, oh, okay, he's a really good narrator. Like as like I I I like his you know the voice that Kay Applegate chooses for him. Is he um, is he every fourth book or every fifth book? I believe he's book five. Yeah. Because we'll have Rachel yeah, and then Tobias yeah, yeah. and then Cassie and then Marco. Yeah, I guess that would make sense, yeah, if they do, like, at, at least in every rotation, like, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, basically. Marco is also, like, the, the sort of funeral bell in the background, continually uh, reminding I... everyone that, like, hey, we could die. We need to oh. remember that we could die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think okay. it's a vital role that he plays. Yeah, M- Marco and his girl and Morph are on the fifth cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then there's, at the end of this chapter, Rachel has to go to gymnastics class, and they're upset because human life comes back once they go back to being humans, but, uh, this is where we touch on something that I've been kind of feeling this whole chapter. They were just being remarkably insensitive, talking about how good it is to go back to being human and how they don't want to stay birds, and Tobias has been there the whole time. He's just sitting there for this conversation and doesn't say anything. But... Yeah, like yeah. I mean, he does the uh, the samurai thing of "I've been here the whole time, you dick." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely doesn't, but he should. <laughs> but yeah, so then we'll get into chapter three, which I'll call "Emotional Manipulation: uh, A Beginner's Primer." Um... <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they're all walking home together. Tobias is flying overhead because he can't participate in the conversation since he can't really, like, hear them since they can't thought speak at him. And, uh... See, I don't understand that as much because, like, yeah, it would be weird if a hawk was flying at low altitude and all, but, like, that is possible. It's not like he has to fly at, like, X height all the time in order to actually be able to fly at all. Well, that's true, but remember, the Yurks know that one of Andalites have a, a red-tailed hawk morph, so if they just see this red-tailed hawk flying around with a bunch of kids, and conveniently there's the same uh, number. Also it's... true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, is foresight for on the kids' part, but that doesn't stop them from going ahead and being like, my friend works at this, t- my friend's mom works at this company, and also I'm just gonna transform in front of this punk also. <laughs> Nobody's gonna actually ever think about this, the fact that other people could be looking out their fucking windows and see this. Because <laughs> they're still idiot teenagers at times. <laughs> so they're talking a little bit about how nice this morphing thing would be if they didn't have to worry about Yerks and Marco specifically wants to be famous for his powers. Like, he doesn't want to do fighting or crime. He just wants to be, uh, like, a stuntman or a horror movie expert. Like, he, he wants to be famous. So, cool. 
Uh, he mm-hmm. seems to think that he could be, quote, trading funny lines with Dave. I believe that is David Letterman. He thinks he's going to get on he, Letterman and yeah, be funny. He, uh. <laughs> yeah, he, he mentions Letterman in, like, a few sentences before that when he fully, apparently, is on a first-name basis with Dave Letterman, <laughs> despite not knowing him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they walk past the construction site where all that went down, you know, and they just get quiet. They don't want to talk about it. Uh, Cassie starts crying and just sort of stands there as they walk past, so, you know, trauma. Uh, yeah. But, then being like, hey, remember how we saw a murder just a week ago, guys? We didn't really talk about that much. <laughs> they will never talk about that. Um, yeah, so there's some recapping about controllers here, because we're three chapters in and we still haven't covered everything, so, again, more recaps. Um, and then Jake is like, hugging Cassie and taking care of her because she's crying and it's sort of cute I guess if they're I don't know again 13 but uh like he pulls away after quote stroking Cassie's head so <laughs> uh-huh. yeah hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah and then uh, Rachel decides that uh, they need to get back in and fight the Yorks some more and there's a conversation here about how uh, they absolutely went after the Yerks and lost. And Jake is kind of like on Rachel's team here. They shouldn't give up just because they lost one fight. But uh, Rachel says actually they didn't lose a fight because really, uh, sure, they didn't save Tom. And sure, they didn't stop the Yerks, but now they're afraid of us. And the answer is no, yeah, we, they, they super aren't afraid of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much not. I'm... Like. They... I mean, okay, so they might be a little bit spooked. They think that, oh, there's Andalites here. We didn't know there were Andalites here. Um, Rachel's basically saying, like, we did a terrorism. And then, you know, technically, yes. But they would need to... Realistically, when you get down to it, what the Animorphs did was barge into the Yerk's house, kill 12 guys, two of which were Viscer 3's kills... (laughs) And uh, yeah. <laughs> get a bunch of host skill. They did not do anything meaningful in terms of this invasion. Like, there's no reason to be afraid of them, except I guess maybe yeah. if you're worried about your host getting killed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they rolled on up, and uh, their presence got like twenty people fireballed. <laughs> now, hold on, they saved one lady. That's true. They saved one so, lady who disappeared forever. Never comes up again. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, not a lot, not a lot of fear going around here. Um, nah. <laughs> Marco does point that out, but uh, yeah, Rachel's just keeps on hammering on the fact that no, they're scared of us. They're nervous. Don't worry about it. They're scared. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, Jake says that no, we can't go back anyway because that door is gone. So it turns out that he just wanted to see if that was still how they could get in, and so now they got rid of that door. So the Yerks, I guess, have very good contractors. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rachel just desperate to be like, please just let me chalk this up as a dub and not an L. <laughs> <laughs> we need the win. I'm not going, she insists. <laughs> She's like, look, I have such good KD, I can't chalk up a loss. That was definitely a victory if y'all were pulling your weight. <laughs> <laughs> I carried oh, wait, y'all. Oh, oh. God, she's me in Splatoon at times, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Where I go like twelve and two or whatever, but I, my team still loses. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, Jake decides that like we should, if we're gonna get into this, 
you know, our assistant principal, who is still not a vice principal for some reason, is, uh, we know he's a controller. Maybe if we could get to him, he's, he's related to this whole thing. And he doesn't say the thing, but he absolutely implies to Rachel that she needs to talk to Melissa Chapman, who is assistant principal Chapman's daughter. Uh, she used to be one of Rachel's closest friends, but lately she's been weird and kind of distanced and out of it. And Rachel doesn't want to do this because she doesn't like, you know, using her friend as a pawn in this war. But, uh, yeah, everyone just kind of gently pressures her into it and, uh, whoops, you're in the war, you gotta betray your friends. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> That's the end of my chapters. <laughs> Alright, uh... <laughs> I guess we'll just go into chapter four, uh, which I'm going to co uh, uh, call "Yes, Melissa can't act because we're at the YMCA." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was expecting better of a reaction than that. <laughs> I'm just confused. Hmm? Don't worry. <laughs> no, it's because they go to the YMCA, so I called. So I was like, "Yes, Melissa can't act," which is what the YMCA ah, community okay, stands for. There, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, bad joke. Okay, whatever. Rachel goes to her gymnastic class at the YMCA the following day, and she basically just drags herself and, and the class in terms of none of them really being the general build for a gymnast aside from Melissa. <laughs> a little rude <laughs> that she's just like, yeah, we all suck. One of the things that she mentions real quick, like, that's fascinating to me is that uh, she likes vaulting in the parallel bars, but she's bad at the balance beam. And, like, that's the easiest thing. You can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but she's so she's she, like remember she's too tall to be good at gymnastics, as we learned from Jay. <laughs> so you're just too dang tall, Rachel. Sorry. Yeah. You have. She wants have to be the, only... the dreams. She wants to be the next Shannon Miller, but her tall, freakish, lanky body <laughs> is just taking that dream away from her. She can only be. She's only fit to be a model now. She, she's, too, she's just too lanky. She only has a plus one detex. Like she's just yeah. too weird and like large. Sorry. I'm just <laughs> exactly. saying, if the, anything is going to be interfered with by how tall you are, it's the parallel bars. <laughs> I guess. I guess yeah. so. But like I mean, you know, those those sort of long, um, you know, weird spindly legs. You know, <laughs> just, you can't you can't you can't step them right onto that balance beam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've never done, like, any sort of gymnastics like that in particular, so I can't really speak to one way or another. But also, I was always pretty short, so... <laughs> I feel like I'm being, like, unnecessarily mean, but I'm just trying to get kind of the sentiment here of, like... <laughs> yeah, it's also fair. But, yeah. But yeah. Uh, in any case, she then compares Melissa's build to that of Tolkien elves. <laughs> yeah, which so. is interesting. I never really pictured Rachel as reading Tolkien, but she's yeah, a complex I, person. I, who... I mean, yeah, because I was like thinking about it, and it's like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess she would have had to read the books because, like, it's this is before the Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, movie yeah. should be out for yeah, yeah. Well two before. or three years. So, no, so she just read. She just read all the like. The, she just read the entire like the the Tolkien books. She read yeah, the which, Lord of the Rings. So, which uh, g good on you, I guess, Rachel. Considering that, uh, I mean, I, I tried reading the first. Of, uh, like, I mean, I'm, we, again, we're convinced that uh, we spent like twenty minutes talking about Lord of the Rings in yesterday's Us Weirdos that we recorded, and then we have this as well, and being like, oh, okay, weird. But like, I only ever read The Hobbit. I tried to read the novelization of the original Lord of the Rings. And it's like it's like a little too long, and there's too many it's, descriptors it, of like food and shit, and it's like it's 
Yeah. I only like got a little bit past Tom Bombadil before I was like, I think I'm done. <laughs> it's long and dense. I <laughs> listen to the audiobooks because that is a valid way to read things. Yeah. And if you say no, then you're dumb. Yeah, I think it I, is. Might, <laughs> I might do that uh, because, like, I mean, I haven't, I've had my uh, audiobook subscription via Libro.fm. There, pause for there's a, a, there's a recent one that uh, was recorded like back in 2020, um, that is read by Andy Circus, who plays Gollum. Oh, Gollum, yeah. In, <laughs> that's, in that's probably Slash fun. Smeagol in, yeah. in the in the books, and he does like really good voice work for all the characters. <laughs> um. Yeah, I and mean, consider- from what I can tell, his- it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, considering his performance as uh, Smeagol and Slash Gollum, mm-hmm. like I would expect yeah. that he would probably do pretty yeah. good voices. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Might have to check yeah. that out. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, <laughs> in any case, it's like, oh yeah, it's just a reminder that like, oh yeah, like Adam Morris makes tons of like '90s references. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although, like, wasn't Lord of the Rings released in like the '50s or something? Uh, yeah, it was. Time ago, right? Quite a while. Yeah, ago. yeah. Uh, for the record, yeah. I was wrong, and Morse happens earlier than I remembered, so Fellowship of the Rings is five years away, not three. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, because, like, isn't, like, the first of those movies, like, 2001 or something? Sure is. Yeah, I thought it was, like, I was, like, pretty sure it was, like, closer to, like, around, like, the time when, like, the second <clears throat> Bad Boy Wizard movie was released or something. Because those are in, like, 99, I think. But, yeah, in any case... Uh, the two basically greet each other pretty tersely due to their strained friendship, and Rachel tries to convince her to go with, to the mall with her afterwards, claiming that she needs new sneakers, but Melissa claims she's busy and starts to walk away before Rachel just fully grabs her arm <laughs> when she reminds herself that her dad's been yorked, so she's starting to suspect some stuff. Reasonable. And... Yeah, I mean, it's like, how did you not immediately go, like, like from, like, the previous day when you're like, oh, she's been acting weird, it's like, why would you not immediately go, like, Yep, brain's like, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but she tries to ask her how they got so distant with each other and that she misses Melissa. And during the conversation, she sees a glimpse of intense sadness on her friend's face. So, again, more, more sus. <laughs> and Melissa just tugs her arm away and heads to their class as Rachel feels like a piece of shit for only just now feeling like she cares about her. Which, again, fair. Because yeah. <laughs> she hasn't for like a year or so, roughly, probably. Uh, but this culminates in her not being focused on the gymnastics, and she just eats shit on the balance beam and hurts herself as a result. And Melissa runs over for, like, all of ten seconds before running back to the other side of the room, <laughs> which just everything going on just makes Rachel even more suspicious that Melissa's also been yerked. <laughs> I do want to actually point this out. She says that she banged her knee so hard she cried, which is an interesting mm-hmm. revelation of vulnerability for Rachel. She's not going to be yeah. willing to tell us stuff like that later on in the series, so enjoy it while you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before war toughens her up and she can't have emotions. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which, I mean, like, that's still, like, that's kind of really fucking hurt. Like, I mean, like, when we were moving my, like, when we were getting my, like, bed frame put away to move into my current apartment, like, I hit my knee, like, twice against the fucking bed frame, and I was just like, ah, fuck, and it's like, it wasn't like me, like, heard enough to cry and that's made of fucking wood like the balance beam is like it's got like padding on it yeah. right yeah so that has to be like she ever like fell off of it entirely and fell directly on her knee or something and like fell onto like a part of the flooring that didn't have the mats or something or i don't know how she did that so much but again she's she's a teenager like teenagers 
have a little bit yeah. less resilience, I guess, and stuff oh, like that. Not, I don't know. Like, she's not going to stop telling us she got hurt. She's going to stop telling us she felt a way about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, she did get slashed near the end of the previous uh, book while in elephant form, but, you know, it's like, it's a funny thing that they don't really bring up much that, like, you know, like injuries they sustain in morph form don't persist in normal kid form. Because <laughs> they say it's like the other way around kind of deal. Uh, but in any case, uh, she then basically just walks straight home instead of going to buy new sneakers after the class. And while she walks home, some shitbag young adult drives up to her and proceeds to hit on her and try to get her to get into his car, which is real bad. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. And she just starts to run away from him as, like, she says that he starts to, ca like, try to catch up with him. And somehow he doesn't notice that she partially transforms into an ele elephant right in front of him. Well, <laughs> I, think, I felt like she, she, she like, ducked around a corner yeah, or something and then started to morph. She runs into this alley where oh. they start to morph and then he chases her. Okay, maybe I missed that I part. I do want to point out a couple things here. Uh, first off, she's blaming herself. She's talking about how careless she was. And, uh, yeah, no. It's like no, uh -uh. it's absolutely that guy's fault, and yeah. they they will get onto her for this later. But like, you shouldn't have been so stupid. But you know what? She was completely within her rights. I support everything Rachel exactly. does here. Yes, like yeah, yeah, it's, like it's yeah. Like... There was a, there was a risk involved, but <laughs> it would be stupid for her not to use the the abilities at her disposal to prevent this guy from happening and to chase this creep off it's like uh i mean it kind of it kind of goes both ways a little bit because it is again like yeah people could see you do this but also it's like yeah you should probably do what you can to stop yourself from being sexually assaulted <laughs> yeah the yeah. other thing i want to point out about this specific scene is that in the graphic novel this is the same guys from earlier. There's two of them, and they're the ones who are shooting the birds. <laughs> My headcanon is that this is still the case <laughs> in here. That this is the guy who is trying to, because this is like some asshole. Right, so in, it's like, oh, that girl kind of showed up like, in her he's path in his, twice. Yeah. He's in his car and sees Rachel walking along. He's like, huh, there's something about that girl that reminds me of those birds. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's like, Any, in the graphic that novel, person. that's part of why she's so willing to do this, is because, like, they already shot at her today, so she's mad at them in the first place. Yeah. But the yeah. other, other thing is that in the graphic novel, she specifically lures them into the alley. Like, she tricks them Bugs Bunny style into following her back there where they'll see her as a monster they weren't gonna do it oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but in any case uh, we should just move on to the next chapter which uh, I'm, I'm going to call yes also Rachel can't lie either <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because, uh, basically it starts out with, uh, the punk f freaking out the side of her, of, uh, Ella, Ella Fragile, is how I wrote it? Because <laughs> it's, like, it's, she's, she describes herself as not, like, fully morph, she basically just has, like, a third of the trunk, slight little tusks out of her mouth, and just, like, in general is just, like, you know, between the two. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this, uh, picture you sent, uh, I guess from the graphic novel. You know, it looks the weird like thing yeah, is, that's... that's not actually a part of the graphic novel. It's like a preview image, and then it just doesn't show up in the text. Oh. Oh, that's weird. If it's a preview. Like, if they went to the effort of doing that, and it's like, it doesn't actually <laughs> show up. Well, it's on the cover, well, so, you know. Oh, okay. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that would definitely freak somebody out, Ian. <laughs> I guess yeah. it kind of just looks a little bit like a Loxodon, actually. Maybe a touch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case, yeah. Uh, yeah, he sees that and just 
peels off in his car. It described as like partly for like a minute, forgetting he has a car before running back to dive into the car, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, and then she unmorphs and realizes that she tore apart her shoes from her little bit of fun because turns out, uh, she, I think she describes it as like going from like a size 8 to a size 300 or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, turns out you really can't uh, fit shoes on an elephant. Uh, but at that, uh, Chapman and his daughter pull up in their car and offer Rachel a ride home. And. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm being distracted by more pictures from this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Pictures no, that the listeners can't see. Yeah. Yep. This is an audio bike. Unless we want to like put it in the the episode now. Uh, that doesn't work. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, it doesn't work on on Patreon. It could work, but it doesn't uh, work. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's a bummer. Uh, but yeah. In any case, Rachel rightfully assumes that Chapman saw her morph because she was the most obvious about it because she just did it in public on the street. <laughs> And she tries to claim that she wants to walk home instead, that she could use the exercise, but she's pretty much just forced into the car due to it starting to rain, and also, like, Chapman is just kind of a dick. <laughs> uh, they try and ask her about the punk that they saw, and Rachel tries to honestly not her best... To... Wait, wait, no, I didn't... my notes are weird here. Tries... I said tries honestly not her best to lie about it. That that's not a sentence. <laughs> Especially she, where she you were going at, with she, it. <laughs> yeah, she 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 tries to be like, oh yeah, no, he he lost something. He was trying to get it back, but it's like it's just a bad lie, and she even like berates herself saying, ah, what the fuck am I doing? This is a terrible <laughs> lie. It's it's bad. Uh, in any case, uh, Chapman then maybe threatens her, but also maybe not when he says he doesn't need directions to her home, just fully saying, I know where you live. And it's like, it's her being like, does he, is, is that, like, is that, is that a threat? Is it not? <laughs> Can't really yeah, tell. I don't, this is a really tense scene, and I really yeah, like it. Yeah, it's super tense. <laughs> but, yeah, and then she has to lie about her shoes having been crappy when Melissa points out the shreds of them. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. just, like, as, as she gets out of the car, as she notices. Her shoes it's like, are I told you friends. I needed new shoes. Yeah, it's like, hey, I told you, needed them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have to say, I also really like this scene in the graphic novel. <laughs> um, it Chapman is just so sinister in it. Mm-hmm. But at this point, we don't know if Chapman has caught on to Rachel. And that's kind of yeah. what helps to increase the tension. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, I know where you live. Could, could be like, hey, I know like where you live as a threat or it could be like don't worry i i know where you don't have to well, yeah which, you, which is still like still kind of a weird thing for a vice principal to know where like a certain student lives it's, i guess it's just yeah, because, like weird. i mean well, in this no case, it's 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 because rachel and melissa were friends right yeah i was so, about to say yeah it's probably yeah. just because of that as opposed to just being like i'm the vice principal i know where all 600 students at the school live and it's like that's fucked up i will <laughs> yeah. say it is yeah, much more menacing in the graphic novel to me just because of the way they use yeah. the um it's so the lettering in this panel indicates that he's putting emphasis on a specific word so he's not saying oh i know where you live he's saying oh i know where you live <laughs> And that's a very uh, different yeah. sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only, like kind of that same way that like only graphic novels really can do compared to like uh, books in particular. Like unless they're like capitalizing you in the book itself. Yeah, they would have to like bold it or something. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, uh, she goes up to her room and gets rid of her ruined shoes before going to say hi to her mom, who she then explains a little bit about her family situation because her mom is divorced, and she basically just brings her lawyer work at home because she feels guilty if she's not around her kids, and that she also has two younger sisters. 
And Rachel tells her that Chapman gave her a ride home because she didn't call her mom to get back. <laughs> and they they talk about like just dinner stuff, but after dinner she arranges to meet the others to tell them how she basically just clearly gave away her ability to morph in public in front of that punk. <laughs> but doesn't go ahead and describe her encounter with Chapman. I don't know why she like basically is like, hey guys, I might have compromised us, but doesn't bring up <laughs> on also he might know. Seems like a weird oversight. <laughs> if you're already telling them the the part of the bad news, why not tell them all the bad yeah, news? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah but, and uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta say, like, Marco is... I think it's Marco who's yeah, Marco's very, very angry about what Rachel yeah. has done. Yeah. Um, and not at all sympathe- sympathetic to Rachel's situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. And again, kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's like, he's not technically wrong, because again, you just morphed in front of a dude in public in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what if the yeah. other people driving by or people in their houses? They could have seen. I do feel like yeah. there's maybe some discussion to be had about what happens to this guy. Because we know he doesn't get yoked. And, like, something like this happening to you, I don't believe that you never tell anybody. So do we think he just walked off screen and had a heart attack? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would tell anyone. Like, I don't think anyone would believe me that's the thing yeah you know like what I mean? that's that's basically like the entire conversation they have but they're like yeah but like even if regular people wouldn't anybody that's has a yerk in their brain would because they know that you know andalites exist and that they assume a few of them are on earth <laughs> so it's like it's still a case of like yeah you don't have to have most people believe you just the right person here and believe well i don't know i just like maybe i'm too involved with paranormal encounters or whatever but people love talking about yeah. the weird stuff they've seen even if it damages oh, yeah, their reputation or doesn't yeah. make sense like it's very yeah. rare for people to sit on a story for more than six months or so in the, in the uh paranormal world i yeah. think it would sort of just fall into and dissolve into the you know um general sphere of urban legends <laughs> Um, or just like random crazy shit you see on on the internet. Yeah, yeah like oh, like that's all not the... really much of a thing at this time. Yeah, like pretty much like all those like TV shows of like, oh, this person saw Bigfoot or the Tupacabra. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna go hunt yeah. for them, and it's like, and they're, and they're always like, oh, we we saw like a blurry image here. Like, oh, it might have credence, but uh, who knows? <laughs> the, the question is, if the Yurks saw some kind of article in like the National Enquirer about yeah. like elephant woman spotted. Uh, would they, would they care? You know, would they? Oh God, I just, I just had the see something in. Like, would they read into that? I don't know if they would. I just had the uh, mental image of like jerks going to like every like grocery store and stuff like that, and just buying all the shitty raggy magazines at the checkout counter, like all the stupid tabloids, trying to just scour them for these like sightings of a person that turned into an, a monster or a, well, another creature. <laughs> I feel like the like intern jerks would get that job. You know, oh yeah, yeah, that's definitely not are, Chapman. Yeah, he's definitely who are not like doing that. Low ranking, like oh, we want you to investigate this thing that's probably nothing, and they're like, oh, <laughs> goddamn, yeah. I hate my job. Yeah, this, this is your assignment for next week. Here's a fucking stack of the the Inquirer or whatever. Go through it and yeah. look for anything about people talking about seeing a person turn into an elephant or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know. I'm uh, saying yeah. this dude is definitely calling into coast to coast with Art Bell. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's basically just the entire conversation that happens anyway with the kids going back and forth of like, yeah, they wouldn't yerk that guy because he's not important, but also Tom's not important, but they yerked him anyway, so who knows. 
So we don't know. Yeah. yeah, like basically, it's just Rachel's forced to conclude that, like, yeah, like it probably was not the greatest idea. But at the same time, again, like you might you want to stop yourself from being sexually assaulted. <laughs> it's also like, why why would you infest the vice principal and not the principal? <laughs> the principal doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> did we ever meet the principal? Not that I recall. No, no, no we okay. don't. <laughs> that's that's a funny oversight then. <laughs> I don't uh, think it's an oversight. I think it's just like a decision never to, which is I, just funny because that means that Chapman has a boss at the school, like yeah. has to answer to that person, and that makes me wonder, like, what's that relationship like? <laughs> yeah, you know? and like is it like is that like just full on a like uh, Principal Skinner and Superintendent Chalmers Super- kind of situation? <laughs> yeah. Of like, I mean, I mean, I'm just reminded of that recently because I definitely saw like the clip recently on Twitter of just like uh, Skinner trying to hide the word awful in the newspaper. Like, we're, we made the paper mm-hmm. today. It says awful school. It's awful rich, and he's covering the oh, first yeah. awful. He's like, it's, what's um, that? It's another. Uh, it's another article inside the headline. Yep. <laughs> well, it's. I, I I don't know. It's like I can't really think of. I mean, you see. Chapman's Yerk taking orders from Visser 3 and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But he also has a job <laughs> yeah. that he has to do well or get fired from. <laughs> and, like, this position as vice principal is apparently, for some reason, valuable to the Yerks. So. Well, yeah, I, I guess it's just like uh, with having the vice principal Yerks, it's like they have at least have a pretty easy go into of like yeah we can get all these students yorked if we need to yeah well and i, and I feel like um well, let's just think about how many parents you can recommend take their kids to the sharing like yeah because like they also say that he's like in charge of that part of maintaining cover is um you know continuing the relationships that the person had <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and that's easy, it should be easy, because the Yorks have complete access to your memories and emotions. Um, however, as we will see later, Chapman's Yorks really fucking bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it makes me wonder how he's able to, like, you know, hide from, hide the fact from, like, the principal or his boss or whatever, assuming the boss hasn't been infested that he's you know got a brain slug in his in his, yeah. in his brain yeah i guess i guess um, we just have to conclude that his that the principal isn't for some reason because <laughs> it's like like you say like we don't like you don't think we ever actually meet the principal at all so it's like i guess we can only just assume that the principal isn't yerked for some reason <laughs> it's like why would yeah. they not go out to the principal instead of the vice principal <laughs> like the yerks um, have like a whole big plan to grab the principal and get him but he's just like sick one day and chapman and chapman has to take his place for like a meeting and they're like oh fuck i guess I, maybe, we have everything planned i guess we got to go with plan b of this guy instead <laughs> maybe they wanted someone who was in a advantageous position but not too high profile <laughs> maybe yeah. like if if something happens and the school ends up in like the media the principal is more likely to be talking to people than the vice principal. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that makes like, sense. Like, it's, there's liabilities that come with infesting the principal that you don't have with the vice principal. Yeah, like they, and they, I will they, keep they... saying vice principal, oh, yeah, despite no, the fact that yeah. it's assistant principal. I say, yeah, no, uh, I never, Cyropedia never try in the Mark's wiki page does say vice principal, even though the books don't. So they clearly agree with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
again, never heard of the system principal before Animarch. Also, his so first name always, is Hedrick, which like... <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. It's a good like, name, it's, it's like, just oh, not could... one that I've ever heard before anywhere else. Yeah. Like, oh, I could just call him Edric or something, which, you know, it's just like, hey, well, I mean, that's that's just, uh, oh god, is that Ed from uh, Owl House of Soldier? Does he go to the human realm later on? <laughs> and All right. <laughs> All right, Vivian, I am wrapped. I want to hear the next part of this story. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, in any case, the, the rest of this chapter is that in the end, they agree that Melissa's really not an avenue to get the Chapman if she's also been yerked. And then they think that spying on him as small animals is an option, which ultimately leads to Rachel remembering that Melissa got a cat for her birthday a few years ago. Uh, must have been last so, year specifically. Yep. And. She, and that's... She, she says uh, Melissa's 12th birthday or something like that, and it's like, yeah, I guess that was either last year or the year after. Like, I was discussing yeah, this. Yeah, because they are 13 at this point, I was like, so. Yeah. And, and that's... It, it's fair to assume that Melissa is yerked until proven otherwise, but I don't think the signs point to that, because I don't think that, like... Um, an underlying well of unknowable sadness is really so much a sign of being infested, yeah, like, you know? Like, I mean, especially because, like, I mean, the whole sharing thing is, like, uh, the solution to all of life's problems is brain slug. And it's like, that that seems like it's like, you know, it's like, have depression, just choose brain slug instead. Yeah. Like, I'm imagining, like, the uh, fucking infomercial of, like, are you you suffer from depression, then join the sharing and have a brain slug. <laughs> it will solve all your problems immediately. Side effects may include loss of free will and death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in any case, chapter 6 is pretty short, which I'm going to call Catastrophe, because cat, obviously. Uh, and it cuts to the squad, presumably the same day, spying on Chapman's house from behind a hedge with device in a nearby tree, noticing that there's a kitty door for the cat to go out. And they wonder how they can lure the cat outside, so Tobias goes off looking for, as we get the cat's name, Fluffer McKitty. <laughs> Good name for a cat. <laughs> to see if it's already outside. Uh, they think about how if they had another cat, they could have lured Fluffer out and that Tobias had a cat morph beforehand. And during this, they just stressed that Rachel should definitely stay in... I wrote character, thinking character plus cat. <laughs> it doesn't really work that well. To avoid suspicion. If But uh, they basically have that little conversation until Tobias comes back saying that he's found the cat. And he also reports that there's like another six to eight cats, three dogs, and tons of plump juicy rats and mice around. Yum yum. Which immediately gets Marco claiming that he can't be buzzed with someone who eats rats, so they rightfully tell him to fuck off and bring up that Jake had to eat the sp- hey the spider, so I guess they can't be friends either. <laughs> and Marco Marco does the, what Rachel describes as the closest to an apology they'll ever get out of Marco, which is him being like, Yeah, I guess I eat like vegetables and shit, I guess. <laughs> but again, Marco is just not the greatest guy at this point in the, in the books. <laughs> Uh, but they go head off to get Fluffer, who goes, and that goes pretty poorly since he was out hunting a mouse and is pissed they're interrupting that, and he just claws Rachel a bit and flees up in a tree. So then Rachel gets an idea and calls out to Tobias to go find the mouse for her. And that's an entire chapter. It's, it's very much yeah. way shorter than the other two that I had, just because there's way less really going on besides, hey, let's try to grab a cat. Oh, that goes bad because turns out trying to just pick up a cat <laughs> is usually not a good idea if the cat doesn't really know you much. 
they didn't even bring treats or anything. Um, they were so unprepared for this. <laughs> no, they really didn't. Like, they, they at least had the foresight, like, maybe we should have brought another cat. And, like, it kind of gets to that point of we should get treats because, like, we'll just get a fucking mouse to lure the cat by just one of us being a mouse. But it's, like, still, it's, like, you didn't, you didn't... I guess, I mean, no, Tobias has a cat. Well, I guess, like, they also never addressed anything, like, of, like how Tobias's home life is going with him being a bird and if his like uh is it with his aunt or uncle at the moment they they will um it's Tobias I will say has not been at his I mean his, yes his, I would his, I would his, assume uh, that because it's like yeah. his aunt slash uncle whichever one it is would probably be like where the fuck is Tobias and why is this hawk always well, showing the, up the thing you have to realize is that neither of the adults in Tobias's life actually give one like, solitary yeah. shit about him. Yeah, he, so, just, he just like disappeared yeah. one day, and they're just like, "All right, I guess this is just expected." Yeah. Eventually, he just run away. Yeah. I mean, li- literally, yeah. literally, the way they're going to deal with that is so sad. Uh, but we'll get to that, I think, when we get to Tobias's book. Yeah. For the time. record, it's his uncle on yeah. this coast. His aunt is on. I think she's in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. can I start with mine? Yeah. All right. So, chapter seven, I have titled Shrewd Business. Um, And uh, so, Tobias brings Rachel what he thinks is a baby mouse, because Tobias does not know what baby mice look like. Um, Because, you know, he's a kid. uh, And has never had to feed mice to a snake. So, um, he drops the mouse into... Uh, Rachel's hand with superhuman precision. Uh, Cassie warns Rachel about rabies. Says, "Oh, by the way, you should probably all get your rabies shots if we're going to be yeah, handling thanks, animals." Cassie. Because <laughs> but, but thanks, Cassie. Fair. Cool. It is awesome. A, it is a fair thing to bring up. I can just like one... imagine them going to a clinic and being like, "Hey, can I get a rabies shot?" And then the clinic being like, "Why?" And then they're like, "Uh." Cassie, you put Marco uh, in an enclosure I... gorilla, and now you're talking about <laughs> rabies shots. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, she, I don't actually have a lot of notes for this chapter, despite its length, because not a whole lot happens in it. It, There's a lot of description. Um, she, uh, oh yeah, yeah, Marco does make a misogynistic joke about Rachel, essentially implies that she's already a shrew. How are we going to tell the difference? Yeah. Um. Again, Marco's just batting over a thousand at this point, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's literally all he's done. All this book has just been to take pot shots at Rachel. Um, Cassie warns Rachel the cat will either try to play with her first or just immediately go for the neck and kill her instantly. <laughs> so um, Rachel's like, "Okay, I'll try to avoid that." Uh, not really sure how how that could be prevented if it does happen. This just feels like a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, Tobias gives her Yeah, it's a really stupid thing to do Tobias gives her, like, private reassurance With thought speech And it's funny, because Tobias earlier said I'm not gonna go, like, dive after uh, Like, a, the cat that's my size <laughs> um, And try to get that cat out of the tree And then Rachel's like, here, let me morph a prey animal <laughs> Well, well, I mean, in Tobias's case, he he at least knows that cat is super fucking against yeah. birds. So it's like, yeah, he's like, I'm not gonna go after that. That's a bad type well, matchup. On top of that, bird is yeah. super fucking against well, mouse. I'll so go after is mouse. true. <laughs> like, it's a bad type matchup too. Well, on top of that, though, Tobias can't morph back to human to heal his injuries. So that that is that is fair. Uh, Rachel also, yeah. Rachel can. 
Yeah, that's um, also true. But there's not going to be much morphing if the cat yes, just bites through her spine. <laughs> I mean, um, but, but Sancho is a ground type. That's still not a great type matchup against flying. I mean, I guess you technically can learn Rock Tomb, but at the same if time. If Pokemon <laughs> existed in this universe, the fight would be over so fast. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just come in and like use Earthquake and collapse the Earth Pool and they'd be done. <laughs> Pokemon yeah. are are goddamn terrifying like <laughs> like rachel rachel use fissure it's a one-hit ko yeah, it's the new york empire fainted. well actually not yeah it's, it's yeah. one-hit ko fissure 3 is now underground well um, i guess i guess fissure 3 is definitely like he's like level 70 or so like at the kids are like level like 10 or so by that point so actually fissure would just miss entirely she would have yeah. to use earthquake I'm just saying the best. throw um, Marco in the earth pool and it's insta evaporated <laughs> yeah mm-hmm that's a that's a sna- that's a uh, snail made of lava. Cargo's <laughs> body is double the um, temperature of the surface of the sun. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 again one of those silly things that's like yeah the Pokedex entries is just bullshit made up by the kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, especially when it's like Pidgey flies at Mach three speed. Pidgey has a base speed of seventy, therefore no. <laughs> so Rachel acquires and morphs this shrew. Um, Cassie says, Cassie warns Rachel not to let it bite her. It's obviously terrified, which I would be too, if I were <laughs> true. Um, but it goes limp. She, she puts it down. Uh, she starts morphing. Um, it, the book describes her spine shrinking before her limbs do. Specifically to the size of her pinky, which yeah. is weird. Because now I'm just picturing, like, a very tiny torso, normal sized head, normal sized limbs. <laughs> but very tiny um, spine. This this is like uh, the never after bits whenever uh, <laughs> Ilfa like uh, wild shapes when she takes a few cuts of the druid when it's like that's at least like played up for a bit of laughs of her just like extending her limbs to be like vaguely horse shaped or whatever. Yeah. This is never what it's not. <laughs> this is like <laughs> Like, this is, like, it's weird that it's, like, it's two different levels of body horror, but, like, one yeah. is played for laughs, and the other is, like, yeah, no, this is actually really fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a messed up thing that they do. Um, Cassie is the only one that can do it in a way that's not messed up. Um, and apparently me, according to Patch. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, Rachel uh, morphs Shrew. Uh, and then, of course, the instincts take over, and they are strong. Uh, she panics, she runs, she has a massive hunger. And this is a fun fact about shrews that's not in the book that I happen to know, <laughs> is that they need to eat their entire body weight every day or they die. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like one of those like cases like hummingbirds or something, right? Where yeah, like they have to yeah. basically be like constantly on the lookout for food or else they just fall over because they don't have the energy. So they're frantic, and she detects rotting meat and hears maggots near her. So even though she's scared, she really wants to eat those maggots, which is massive dissonance between the shrew brain and her own brain. Like, that's a disturbing sensation yeah, it, it to somehow, want to eat maggots. Yeah, it's it somehow more fucked up than, like, Jake's monologue of, like, the lizard being like, spider, yum! And he's like, ah! Yeah, spider, yum. Yeah, that's like, um, that's, like, a little bit more comical than just being like, no! As opposed to this being, mm-hmm. like, her being like, oh, I wanted to fucking vomit by the end. <laughs> yeah. So, she runs... The, the kids try and get her back into her head. 
um, verbally, just by yelling at her, but she just kind of, she's not comprehending their words. It's just like distant thunder is how she describes it. Um, but then something changes. There's a shadow over her or something inescapable swoops down. Uh, and it's, and then we get uh, the beginning of chapter eight, which I have called the taming of the shrew. Um, <laughs> I, was waiting, I was waiting for that to be fair. <laughs> I just want to say that I absolutely love that even when she's in full panic mode and when she's a shrew, she still describes uh, what happens as the enemy I could not defeat. Like, yeah, you're a shrew. Stop it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the enemy that she cannot defeat is death itself. None of us can. Um, so it turns out that the, the, the thing that spooked down and caught her was Tobias, um, which probably not the best way. I mean, otherwise the best way they had it at hand, I think, but mm -hmm. Tobias yeah. is a hawk. Hawks do eat shrews. <laughs> um, really good that Tobias has a handle yeah. on this morph. I mean, um, to be fair, he has spent a week as a hawk, so like, yes, he has like he yes. has at least had way more experience of trying to like has, rein he, in the animal. Instinct. He has tamed the beast within. Um, turns out it's Tobias. Normally a shrew being caught by a hawk would be, hawk would be sorry. Normally a shrew being caught by a hawk would be a very bad thing, but in this case, his thought, speech, voice cuts through the terror, and she's able to regain control of her mind and body. She can still hear the maggots, she can still smell death, and her shrew brain is still giving her a perverse sense of appetite. Um, so she's eager to get this through and get out of this particular morph, which, uh, yeah, I can understand. Um, Marco then picks Rachel up without the consent, makes another joke at her expense, and sets her down beneath the deadly cat. So, yeah, he's just, he's just doing great, this whole book. Um, Cassie makes marco makes a remark like sarcastically like oh yeah mouse versus uh, mouse versus cat i want to see that uh, this is in response to rachel's joking that she could kick the cat's ass still um marco remarks to that sarcastically and then cassie makes a reference to itchy and scratchy which is weird because she makes a reference to it as if it's a show yeah in the continuity of yeah, this I I also which is know, like i also took notice of that because it's like no it's like an, it's an in-universe show within a show it's not yeah, no. Like, unless, so, it, unless in their universe, like, The Simpsons kind of fizzled out, but they kept Itchy and Scratchy around <laughs> in its own separate show. That, or this takes place within The Simpsons well, I don't universe. Think it can which, be that. you know what? <laughs> Jake's dog is named after Homer, so. Unless he just met Homer, uh, I was so impressed. No. <laughs> or he so just named his. So, so that's failure. the thing is, my, my best friend from middle school and high school had a golden retriever named Homer. I don't think it was named after the Simpsons character. The dog's name was just Homer. So, you never know. It could just be named Homer. Um, but, yeah, yeah like, I mean, maybe like it, it is. I think, I think, I think if, like, the, if the dog was named, like, Flanders or something, <laughs> or, yeah. or, like, comic book guy, then it's like, yeah, it's per a little bit more implied to be straight from there. <laughs> perhaps... Perhaps Jake's dog is named after the Greek poet. We it don't seems know. Unlikely, considering his household. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so the shrew's hunger distracts Rachel from the cat coming down from the tree to pounce on her. Um, so she's not able to run away. But Jake and Marco are quick to the rescue. This is the first good thing Marco has done in this book. They grab the cat, uh, and at the cost of many scratches they stuff the writhing animal into the animal carrier. Um, Rachel demorphs, vows never to morph shrew again. 
Jake remarks that he should have used his lizard morph, and then Rachel says, oh, no, no, that freaked you out. And Jake responds, but now you're freaked out. Uh, and then kind of, like, says, I think in a way that is supposed to be reassuring, uh, but you'll get over it, which doesn't really seem like the best way to reassure yeah, someone. Yeah, that's not how PTSD works, Jake. Um, Jake remarks, yeah, so, uh, the other kids ask her if she's still up for this, uh, after she acquires, like, in order to acquire the cat. She does acquire the cat, um... But then they decide that they're not really up to continue the mission at this moment, which this has been a stressful situation thus far. I understand. I understand that. But if Rachel had done the deed now, we would be able to avoid a lot of the inconvenience that's going to happen in the future. Uh, um, I'm not sure. So that, it wasn't honestly. the best tactical decision. Well, like. We'll talk about that later, I think, because that's really yeah, a that later chapter. Yeah, that definitely is a later chapter, but all the, uh, let's say, tactical value of this incident only happens because they waited. If she'd done it tonight, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's fair. That That's true. But they also, this is like a little bit of a spoiler, they also do worry about the cat possibly coming back. <laughs> Which, if they'd done it now, they wouldn't have to worry about that because they already have yeah. the cat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they um, can't, can, clearly can't uh, keep the cat in the carrier for, like, days because it's like, yeah, that would definitely make them be a little bit suspicious of where the cat's gone. <laughs> like, the reason that that was fortunate timing was because that's when the, the thing had to happen for the plot. Yeah. It could have just as easily happened <laughs> now. You know, they don't know. Uh, and you don't, you don't make tactical decisions based on stuff you don't know. <laughs> So, um, chapter nine, I've entitled Rachel's First Night Terror, um, and it begins with her waking up, gasping for air. She was dreaming about something, um, and Jordan is already, her sister, uh, is already over her, like, trying to make sure she's okay. Um, Rachel then rushes to the bathroom to throw up. Uh, Jordan is understandably worried about her older sister and asks whether she should get their mother. Rachel says no. She gets a drink. She brushes her teeth. Um, she lies to Jordan and says she can't remember the dream. And she also tells her sister that she'd let her know if anything bad was happening, which is also a lie. Um, so in this moment, we can kind of see the war robbing her of her ability to trust her own family, because she does not know if Jordan is a controller or not. Um, it's unlikely, but it could be the case. So Jordan says that, and also even if she's not, she could become one in the future, and then that information would be available to the Yurks. Um, then Jordan says that Rachel was screaming something about maggots before she woke up. Um, Rachel fakes puzzlement, reveals she... Uh, but she says she doesn't remember the dream. In reality, she did, and she was dreaming about being in the shrew body again, hungrily devouring the maggots and rotting flesh off of a cat corpse. Um, so yeah, that's the end of the ninth chapter and our reading for this uh, week. Is it? My version has another couple of pages in is the it? ninth chapter. <laughs> Yeah, really. Because there's a bit with her like on the bus talking to Jake. Uh, wait, hold on. No, no, mine that ends. Is so weird. Oh wait, because yeah, we have this. Oh wait, hang yeah, on. Yeah, no. Look at mine. 
In my version, chapter 10 starts and um, it says, uh, you all look tired. Jake said next morning we took the same bus to school. So that's the beginning of chapter okay, yeah, 10 Okay, yeah, we have that version. as part of chapter 9. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it's strange. Um, what do we do about uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I mean, we, we, we could just wait till next... Well, no, no. You know what? I think we have to wait until next time to cover it because in our version, there's only twenty-three chapters, which means if we wait, if we do it now, then we'll be off in our count. So I don't know why that happens, Um, but yeah, we have to. Where did you get your? We'll talk about this after the recording. I think we should stop the the recap. I think we're done for today. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is very weird. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe the version that we have via the PDF is, like, a different, like, maybe it was, like, a later on, like, revision or something? Well, I have a PDF, I have a PDF, I have a PDF as well. I don't know if it's... Are you using the Dropbox one? No. Yeah. I okay. found this one on... Okay. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe, maybe we should share that, maybe, yeah, maybe we should share that one with you, yeah. Okay, we, we should be, we should have the same format. Um, yeah. That was just like, I don't, yeah, yeah I'm sorry about that. Now, during no, the okay. pandemic, uh, the series was released as PDFs for free for people to read, so that's what Vivian and I have. Um, and I see. It's clearly not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, there, ha- there have been various, like, typos and stuff, like, periods missing, and, like, I also noticed that, like, during the reading, like, there was one instance of the word because being split into two words, so it said because yeah. instead of that. Just that happens because. here, and I think those are just scan errors. Um, yeah, probably. But yeah, no, and I I think that as like for a first introduction to this book, um, you know these these set up the story really well. I will say this is a slow one. Yeah, this uh-huh. is um, not a lot. <laughs> happens in it it's very character focused we're really more like focusing on rachel's emotional state so yeah, compared to there's not going to be so many fights or murders yeah. um but we're gonna get a lot of you know emotional torture <laughs> of which, our beloved main like, characters it's weird to say makes sense but it's like i mean last book it's like you had to like set up the inside yeah. lesson pretty early on of like you know within six chapters like mm-hmm. here you go you got, you got your powers and also you saw a man get bored <laughs> compared yeah. to this one where it's like okay we don't need to set that up as much let's talk to you spend more time talking to kids as like actual kids rather than just yeah. child soldiers well i mean the other yeah. thing is though is that the first one was our introduction to the series so it had to be big and bombastic and cool so now we actually yeah. are in it yeah. we have time yeah. to to examine the pain that we were feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if I if I remember correctly, three is also oh, similar. Three is so emo. In that it's. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to imagine it is the Tobias one, and like, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know how long between like books one and three happened because like they say it's like been a week since book one, so it's like how long has Tobias been in Huck mode before uh, book three happened? I think I a lot of the we'll time we will not know mm-hmm. what the time difference is, but. Yeah. So yeah. I think this is kind yeah, of an it, exception. It, 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 yeah, we wouldn't have even heard that it was like been a week since book one until if it wasn't for like the whole like oh yeah we felt bad because we were ty- trying to talk about like how it's a uh, weird going back to human form but like Tobias has been in bird form for a week now. Yeah. Oops. Yep. Not trying to be insensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and um, I don't think we get as much of the sort of connection between Rachel and Tobias in this one as we will later. 
it's there. Certainly yeah. there. Like him talking um, to her only via like the telepathy or whatever. That's a slow burn. It's mm-hmm. it's slower than Jake and Cassie. Um Jake yeah, and Cassie cons- are considering that considering that they're already acting like they're dating with the whole thing, yeah. like you know, reassuring her by petting her on the head or whatever. Yeah. And I I feel like part of that is the fact that Tobias is a bird. So <laughs> yeah. you know that said like book three is a lot heavier on the tobias Rachel relationship like we're going slow for now but it ramps up mm-hmm. fast yeah gotcha yeah rip marco i guess it's like oh dang there's like there's a group of five and there's only two girls shit i guess i'm fucked <laughs> well um yeah does he date axe <laughs> no okay Everything's possible uh, via uh, fan fiction, right? <laughs> There's bound to be, like, Marco X on... Uh, oh, God, what's the fan fiction side I'm thinking of? The... God, why am I drawing a blank on it? <laughs> I don't need to know where that would be found, really. Yeah, yeah. true. I don't want to know where that would be found. These yeah. are children. They, they so... are children, yeah. <laughs> one last note about this book, since this is our first episode on it. I am posting in chat now. This is the cover from the 2011 revised version. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah. I hate it. I hate yeah. that cover. It's terrible. How it's does, basically how, a cat with uh, a human mouth. How is, that, and... how is that more upsetting than the Cats movie? <laughs> um, because the eyes are wrong. They're not in a human position. And then there's a human nose and mouth yeah, on the cat. Yeah, those are uh, just like... I mean, in Cats, it's like they are just like the yeah. cat people, but like they don't make parts of the face look like a human face. It's just... Yeah. Still makeup, but it's like it's just a essentially a person in a cat suit <laughs> compared to this. Yeah. Uh, and the tagline for this one, is, which we didn't cover uh, on the cover of, of the original, is no one knows who they are, which <laughs> is a lie. <laughs> is well, it's a lie. Um, it's also pretty generic. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the taglines for a lot of the other books are are a lot more like specific to their contents. In this case, it's just, this is Animorphs' book. It is a book I, about it, the Animorphs. It's funny that you say that. Meanwhile, looking at the one for the next book, and it's now you see them, now yeah. you don't. <laughs> Listen, they're not going to be real I don't consistent. think they're going to... They might not get specific for... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, sometimes they're they're very specific to the book's contents, and sometimes they're just generic, generically associated with the Animorphs. <laughs> um... Uh, wait, I, I had to look at the the fourth one, and there's a apparently a contest advertising a picture yourself oh, morphed. Yes. Contest details inside. Win your photo transformed into an animal. No thanks. <laughs> also, this one is called the Visitor, and I think it should be called the Home Invader. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was like, I was trying to figure out based on that, but it's like, well, based on us being already like about like a third of the way through the book, actually a little bit more, I guess, at this point, that it's like, yeah, it has to just be about like this whole like crashing into the home and figuring yeah. itself out so i guess that's yeah, what the, the visitor implies. the visitor is a reference to the fact that rachel is going to go inside their house and visit it that yeah. that's yeah that <laughs> makes sense i guess it's just weird because like usually it, in a ufo context a visitor refers to an alien and not a cat <laughs> yeah no, like that no. that's what i thought when i saw it it's like oh are they gonna see like another person came come from space and it's like no mm-hmm. apparently no that will happen just not yet not for a while um 
Well, except, like, I'm thinking of Axe, that's pretty soon. Relatively soon. It's only, like, a year um, away. Yeah, but only, like, a year away, yeah. I mean, relatively soon in comparison to the large <laughs> number of books we have to cover. Um, yeah. <laughs> it'll happen again. Because <laughs> I'm assuming, just based on the titles, Axe is probably book eight, because it's called The Alien. <laughs> I am. What are, what are they called? The ones that you're not looking forward to, Patch? The Helmacrods. Yeah. Little fungus people. The Helmacrods. <laughs> yeah. The Helmacrods. I'm looking forward to the Helmacrods so much. Are they like the 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 fungus people no. in Dark Souls? <laughs> uh, no. They are they're, great. They're like they the are like. That's all I can say. <laughs> they're like if something that, that <laughs> Douglas Adams created for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, are they? Uh, escaped Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and then went to the Animorphs. <laughs> they oh, that's, are that's absolutely funny. ridiculous in every way, and <laughs> I love them. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's weird because I've read the entirety of the Hitchhiker's Guide because I have it as like that whole completed book and everything, and I was like, I don't remember those no, guys like, at all. It's a metaphor. No, 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 no. They're not in. They're not oh, in okay. there. I, I, oh, what I'm okay. saying is, is they're very Douglas Adams esque in there, gotcha. okay, in their absurdity. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think that's probably going to do us for today. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank y'all for joining me again for this uh, this chapter and its various horror shows. <laughs> but, uh, I think for now, they're well. Just a reminder that next week we'll be reading uh, the Visitor chapters 10 through, what is it, 18? 18, yes. And, uh, yeah. Uh, until next time, Zero did nothing wrong. <laughs> hey, I gotta say, Zero did nothing wrong. At one point I will be able to say one way or another accurately if Zero did nothing wrong, but not yet. 